The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Good afternoon to everybody. So I was listening to what the good Bishop Barron has to say about today's gospel because he's always got something interesting to say. And he made a point in the gospel. It makes Jesus uses two comparisons. He said we should be salt and we should be light. I'm sure most of us kind of intuitively grasp why light is a good thing. Salt is kind of a weird thing to say. If I were to come up to one of you and say, hey, you should be salt, you're like, what's wrong with this guy? (laughs) And in reality, both of them have something in common, though. And it's this. Both salt and light are something that you value not so much for themselves, but you value them because they... They're valuable to us in function of something else. For example, if I go to McDonald's, I will not go up to the drive-thru and say, I'd like a large salt and a side of fries, right? It'd be nasty. No, the salt is something that comes with the food in order to enhance the food and try to make it taste better. But if I just gave you a salt burger, you would not be too happy with me, you know? It would basically, it would be used to melt your snow or do something useful like that, but it would not be something that you would say, hey, I wonder if he can give me another of those salt burgers. My mom's cooking sometimes passed for that. You know, I thought she would. (laughs) And the same is true of light. Light is, you know, like last night when I was celebrating mass here, it was already getting dark out. It was the uh, five o'clock, 5.30 mass, and it was already kind of dark out. It was a gloomy day anyway. And I said, you know, if I were to turn out the lights, it would be pretty dark in here, right? If I turn on the lights, it's not like anybody, none of you right now looks around and witnesses and say, hey, how beautiful those light bulbs are. Look at those streams of energy coming out. Nobody cares. The lights illuminate everything around us and we, we pay attention to what is being illuminated and not so much to the thing that is doing the illumination. So what does that have to do with you and me? Well, it's Jesus's way of saying that our faith is not to be lived only for ourselves. It is to be lived for ourselves. And frankly speaking, if you want to be happy, which is generally an advisable counsel, try to live a life that will make you happy, okay? If you want to be happy in this life and in the next, be a saint, be holy. There's no bones about it. But none of us, can live a faith that is just about ourselves. Nobody can be holy without extending the faith to others. Nobody can be holy by just having just me and you, God, and cutting everybody else out. Jesus made it very clear. He says, the command, if you want to fulfill the entirety of the law, he says it comes down to two things. 
Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and being. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those things legitimately, you will be a saint. You will be a saint. The problem is, is we can't do it on our own. Therefore, we need God's grace. Therefore, we pray and go to Mass and receive the Eucharist and do all the other things the Church says. Because it is only by God's grace that we can be the saints that we are called to be. So, there's another, well, they're using the salt analogy. There are a couple other things salt is good for. Makes food taste good, at least in measure, due measure, right? Salt can also be used to preserve things. You know, salted meat, for example. Why do you salt your meat? So that it doesn't rot and you can use it when you're traveling or when you need to store it up or whatnot. That's one function and that we could also analogously say, yeah, the faith is that which preserves all that is good in culture and but legitimately true. There's a third use for salt that I'll bet nobody in the church knew. And even, I, I heard this preached some years ago, and then, you know, when I was reading this gospel and I was thinking of using this, I said, I'm going to do a little research and see, is it actually true? And you know, is it, go to Google, is salt flammable? Flat out, no. If you get, you know, like a thousand degrees or something like that, you can actually melt salt, but who's going to do that? Um... And I was Googling all these different things. Is there any way that you can make salt burn? The answer is no. But then I finally stumbled upon something that confirmed what I had heard some years ago. And it was this. In the times of Jesus, wood was very valuable. So you didn't generally burn wood because it was too valuable. It was scarce. And it was very practical, so we used for things like building things, you know, but we didn't generally burn it because that would be like burning money, right? Yeah, paper money, you, you can build a fire with it, but there are probably cheaper ways to go about life. So what did they burn? Ready for the drum roll? Manure. I'm not joking. The common fuel was basically manure, animal waste, which apparently, you know, they mixed with straw and they would make bricks out of it and wait for, you know, they probably processed it so it wasn't just so nasty. But that turned into a legitimate fuel source for the people. And how did you get that stuff to burn? Well, this is where salt came in. Apparently they had these clay ovens and you would have these bricks of fuel, so to speak, but underneath it, you would have a salt disc. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, if it was the chemical reaction uh, that kind of ignited it, or if it just made it more apt to ignite when you took something flammable and stuck it in there. But one way or another, these salt discs were essential to get that fire going. And the, the disciples of Jesus would have heard and understood this context. And it makes more sense, that interpretation, than the other interpretations. When you put it in the context of this gospel, it says, you are the, the light of the world. The city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put under a bushel basket, right? So he's saying the light needs to show. Well, what does a fire do? A fire burns. And he says, he's essentially telling us, if you are truly living your faith. You and I are called to ignite a fire in this world. We are called to literally inflame this world 
with the fire of God's love, with the Holy Spirit. We are called to be his agents. Jesus himself says in another place, do not think that I've come to bring peace but the sword. It says, I have come to bring fire to the world and wood that they were already burning. This is what, Jesus is not about comfortable, quiet, cozy living of life. He wants passionate saints. He wants the fire of his love to extend to every corner of this world. And each person in this church is called to be that saint. We are called to bring fire. I once, uh, when I was in a parish that we run in Yonkers, St. Peter, St. Dennis, I was in charge of youth ministry, and we invited in a speaker once, and he actually demonstrated this. Thanks be to God, he did not use manure bricks. Uh, but he actually demonstrated the same thing. He was giving a talk, and you know the gist of his talk was this. He says, you know, most people, he was saying salt, analogously, you know, nobody likes things that are salty, because it tastes bad, right? And he was analogously trying to say, well, salt is like the cross in our life, the sufferings, the difficulties, the hardships that God permits. But we all seem to love that which is sweet, right? So, you know, so sweetness, sugar, whatnot. So he has these two metal buckets of water. You know, I don't know how much was in it. And he pulled out uh, like a one or two bag, one or two pound bag of salt and mixed it into the the one bucket of water and he took out a, the same amount of sugar and mixed it into the other and he was saying the thing is, is the cross and suffering and the difficulties those things are good for us those are what allow that is where we encounter god when we encounter the cross in our lives that is where we can become purified of our sins and he actually took a lighter and lit on fire this bucket of salt water apparently you know he had a massive amount of salt in there but with when it was mixed in he actually was able to get that bucket of water to light on fire and he took it had, had the kids write down their sins on a piece of paper and it says okay now throw these into the bucket and the, the whole image was you know when we when we embrace the cross that is where the holy spirit is and he can consume our sins and everything and he tried to do the same thing with the sugar water and of course nothing happened it's just just sat there it wouldn't light up okay St. Catherine of Siena famously once told the Pope, who was no longer living in Rome, he was living in Avignon, France, basically, you know, kind of being a bum, being very comfortable. She once told him, she says, if you are what you should be, you will light the world ablaze. And the same could be said to all of us. If we are what we should be as saints, we will light the, the world ablaze. So the big question then is, what is it that is preventing us from being that fire? Why is it that with so many Catholics in the world, that the world is so backwards? Why is it that so many Catholics are indistinguishable from everybody else? You know, if uh, I saw this one video, it was called Evidence, and this person was being held in a courtroom and tried for being a Christian. And, um, you know, like it's a crime. And this person is being tried for, you know, you are a Christian and that is not accepted in our culture and this, that, and the other thing. And the person got off the hook because the defense attorney says, you have no evidence 
Look at my client's actions. There's no evidence that this person is a Christian. She acts just like everybody else, and she got off. And the, the question was, if we were going to get tried, put on trial for being Catholics, would they have any evidence of it? Would our lives have enough difference that people would actually have anything to say that we're guilty of for being too Catholic? Okay, the problem is this. We very easily live a comfortable faith. And comfort does not lead to greatness. Say Pope Ben or sorry, Pope Benedict actually said when he was preaching, I think at World Youth Day, he said, You are made for greatness, not for comfort. Okay? And what are two areas then that you and I can give testimony, that we can be fire for the world? I want to give two different things. Number one is going to be in charity. Charity, which doesn't mean giving out money. Charity means love that is communicated to others, like in acts of service, for example. When we live in charity, that cannot help but communicate God. Think of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, or think of any other great saint you want. Mother Teresa became world-renowned and probably more by people who weren't Catholic than people who were. People, like, it was an analogous statement. It's like, uh, this person's like the next Mother Teresa. That means somebody who loves and gives themselves unconditionally and who serves the poor. Mother Teresa's testimony reached thousands, if not millions, of people that were touched and had lives transformed by the example of this nun. I don't know how many people she converted, and she never went around preaching. She was not a Bible thumper saying, hey, sinner, have you been saved or anything like that? She simply extended Christ's love to people. And her example resonated across the globe. You and I have all kinds of opportunities to show love in your families, in just little acts of service, kindness to people, patience with people. If we are people who perpetually are irradiating love, we cannot help but communicate Christ. Whether or not we are aware of it, we will be God's conduits. The other thing is this. When it is difficult to live our faith, okay, if we want to spread Christ's fire, then we have to do the right thing when it is difficult. And this is where a lot of us fall flat. Well, you know, I'd like to go to Mass on Sunday, but my family's coming over. Look, do your family all think you left the faith or something? Why does your family coming to your house for the weekend mean that you don't go to Mass? Why not give them good example? Why not invite them to go to Mass? Even if you're a convert, why are we communicating? Well, you know, our faith is important, but it's not so important that I'm actually going like, to do anything crazy about it. If our faith is important, it needs to be seen. And if we keep taking shortcuts, easy outs, well, you know, I couldn't go to Mass because my children had soccer games. Did that soccer game last from Saturday afternoon all the way until the end of Sunday? You're telling me that there was, okay, there's 5 o'clock Mass, and then there's most churches have, what, like an 8.30 and a 10.30 and a 12 and probably an evening Mass. And by the way, there's more than one church in the area. There are plenty of churches you can go to. It doesn't care if it's in Chinese and we can't do it? Look at the other religions. 
Tell me that, you know, the Hasidic Jews or Muslims or, or Mormons or any of these people are afraid to say, well, you know, I'm a, I, I don't want to stick out too much. I don't want to just kind of go with the flow. So it is when our faith is difficult. There are a lot of times in public forums, we're not even allowed to speak the way that we should be able to speak. Because it might make people uncomfortable. There are times that we simply need to live the truth. And our standing up and doing the difficult thing is going to give a testimony. We're going to give a testimony one way or another, whether we like it or not. We will either give a testimony that this is important to us and that there is something worth doing the difficult thing for, or we're going to give a testimony that, well, you know, in the end, God doesn't really matter that much. As long as it makes you happy, that's fine. You and I are meant to call, light the world ablaze. How hot is it around your seat? <laughs> In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.